Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Korean Entertainers. I'm Dave Houston, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. And I'm excited to be joined by a writer of an upcoming Kickstarter project, Alter Ego, as well as the creator of books like the Eisner Award-winning Cowboy, one of my faves. Uh, he was an editor at Marvel Comics for a good six years or so. It's Nate Cosby. Nate, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, thank you for giving me the Eisner, but we were only nominated. Oh, I'm sorry. So, it's okay. It's all right. Hey, look, it's an honor to be nominated. It, yeah, it's yeah. Just past Oscar season, which was like you know still on my mind. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. I, I apologize for the mix up there. It, it won in my heart. Absolutely. I really, love <laughs> and I do, <laughs> I do have some cowboy related content here as we talk. Um, but, but first, obviously we want to talk about, you know, this project you're kickstarting, right? So you got alter ego. It's with you, uh, artist, Jacob Egger. We got kite ideas on colors, Russ Wooten on letters. Um, this project sounds very interesting. It's definitely up my alley. I'm a big superhero fan, although this is a different spin on it. You know, Nate, there are so many superhero comics to choose from. What do you think is the most unique thing about Alter Ego? Like, like, what is the most unique thing that this is bringing to the table that should get people's attention? Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I think the, the surface thing is basically that it's one guy that's two heroes, you know? Um, I spent, uh, as you said, like I was, I spent several years at Marvel. After I, after I uh, left Marvel for other things, I, I kind of took some time away from superheroes and I, I, you know, trying different genres, noir and spy and action sort of adventure kind of things. Um, but I, I, after a few years, I kind of got that itch, you know, and I, and I started thinking about superheroes a little bit more. And I guess maybe being away from them, not consuming them, not making them for a while, kind of kind of started taking me back to the fundamentals what i originally thought about superheroes and like trying to almost be empathetic towards the idea of what a superhero would be and what that kind of what your emotions would be if you did that and i guess on a baseline i i thought to myself like if i spent all day trying to help people i don't think i'd be able to turn that off at night Hmm. and if i did all that if i did it all night i don't think i'd like be able to go to sleep and wake up and do something totally different until i hit night so it was almost like I think I would want to help everybody all the time. I think I would want to do that 24 hours a day. And you can't always use the exact same tools for each problem. So by day, maybe you got to be like a big fantastical sort of Superman, Captain Marvel kind of guy. At night, you got to get down in the muck with, you know, Batman, Punisher, Wolverine types. So it, it just kind of, I kind of started thinking like, well, what kind of person would have that duality and and what kind of person would would want to be both those superheroes and that's how we led to the setting which is hollywood an actor mm-hmm. <laughs> he wants to act like these two different kind of guys so that's an incredibly long-winded way of saying that yeah it's one guy that's two superheroes yeah it's good no it's a nice inversion of the the trope which is you know by day the mild man reporter and by night or just when when people aren't looking right you superman um but here we're doing a thing where it's you've got the the daytime hero and the nighttime hero, and it just never stops, which definitely does sound interesting. I, I'm curious, you know, you said, so you're you're an editor of Marvel for quite some time. Um, obviously, you're well-versed in comics and in the landscape and working on all these different projects here. Did you sort of sour on superheroes as a genre, on the comics themselves? Like, did you kind of hit that point in your life where you're like, I have, I've had, like, I've read them. Like, I've read them. I know the cycles. Like, I'm good. And I'm curious, have you now kind of bounced back working on Alter Ego where you're like, oh, that, like this can be fun again? Or is that not in my, in my office in that? I mean, I think I, 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 I'm not a, like a really a binger by nature. Uh, so it's like, so the idea of like all consuming, only consuming superhero stuff, it, it was just like, it just, it did get to be a little too much. I did maybe have burnout for lack of a better term of just like, I, I often use the analogy of like, you don't want to go to the bakery and make donuts all day, come home and have a bear claw. Like, it's just like, it's just like, boy, oh boy. So it's like, as I'm, I grow up reading superhero comics and then my, you know, my diet, my, my, my genre diet expanded um, to appreciating sequential art, not just for the superheroes, but then when you're so just laser focused where, you know, at Marvel or DC, where like, it's, it's almost all the output is, is superheroes of a sort. Yeah, there's just a certain amount of like, oh, just it just becomes a glut kind of thing. So yeah. I, I, some people can do it all their lives and God bless them. You know, I, I, I worked under Ralph Macchio for a while who, who was there for decades and, and never lost the love for it. 
but I, I, you know, for me personally, just as a, as a storyteller, as an editor, producer, and writer, I was just kind of like, I just kind of want to go, I kind of want to go try something a little bit different. Um, and, and, and like at the time I kind of compared it because I did work on some like television cop shows around that time. I also would, would compare it to like, if all television shows were only cop shows, you'd get a little tired of television. You know, mm -hmm. so it's like I never mm -hmm. I never lost my love of comic books, of the art form. It was just like superheroes specifically. It's like I think I just need to walk away for a minute. And Alter Ego is me coming back in a way. And yeah. I've, uh, a few people have asked me, it's like, oh, are you back for superheroes? Like, no, I think I have this one idea. And I think <laughs> and I think uh, and when Jacob and I were talking about doing something together, it was pretty clear that he had just been hired for like a Batman short thing. And he'd got, gotten some acclaim for doing some Batman and Superman one pagers online. So he was gravitating towards superheroes. And and I said, OK, I, I have this one idea. And if you don't <laughs> like this one idea, then I don't know what we're going to do. Cause this is all I got. But luckily, he really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, good deal. No, I, I think that's a very relatable experience for me as well. Kind of what you're describing, because not not having been an editor, but just the in the fandom circles or I remember sort of as I got into this stuff, you know, in the early 20s, just kind of thinking like because I'd see people express cynicism and, you know, they, they can't read superhero comics anymore. And I was like, oh, you, you old cynical folks. What are you talking about? Um, but now I definitely I connect to that more at times at times. Right. I, I fluctuate. But it's just sort of it's like you said, like there's always something in the media, there's always something within sequential art that is going to be fascinating and totally fit the bill for what I'm looking for. It's just not, it's a balanced diet, right? Like, yeah, it's yeah. like it, and it, it's, it's within the medium, but then it's also in the, you know, the diet of your entertainment. Like I love basketball. I love college football. I love uh, spy novels. I love, uh, you know, old movies, but it, I don't want to watch I don't want to experience eight of those in a row. I want to yeah. go and, and mix it up and do that kind of thing. And it's that way when I'm when I'm creating or working on things as well. Like that's why I probably say yes to too many projects at any given time, just because it's like, yeah, I would love to go work on on this and then that and then that and then this and then because it just keeps you know it keeps the mind worrying and and when you're working on this one thing, you are able to relax your brain towards another project and come up with a solution you wouldn't have had otherwise if you you know were just staring at the same thing all the time. Yeah, totally. No, it's like when I started interviewing creators, I, I would one of the questions that came up a bunch um, that I kept asking in the first early ones was like, oh, like, do you do you like working on all these different things? Like what, you know, you're known for this, but you're doing all these. And like every time the answer was even as I was asking, it was like, oh, yeah, of course, the answer is yes. <laughs> like all of us. Yeah. And like I have not I have not encountered the person yet who's like, no, I only want to do you know, Westerns and like they're just like, that's all I want to do. You know, um, it's just it doesn't doesn't seem to happen very often. You should have Chris Eliopoulos on my my cowboy uh, co-creator because yeah. he would answer. Oh, do you always want to work on Star Wars? Yes. Yes, I always <laughs> want to work on. He would okay. all, like to always work on Star Wars. Yes. Yeah, there yeah. are exceptions to the rule. Amazing. Sure, that that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so in preparation for this, you got me to watch The Rocketeer for the first time. Um, I'd seen hey! you know, you're talking about yeah, you're talking about Golden Age Hollywood stuff. I, I've been I've had it on the back burner forever, and I was like, all right, I got I got to go watch The Rocketeer. So I did that. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, what is it about? the era for you, the golden age of Hollywood, where alter ego is set. Like, what is it about that style of story that you love so much? You know, it, it's the reason why I named the daytime version of the character uh, Wizben, because like that encapsulates that, that term just encapsulates the energy. Even when you've got like a movie that's serious, like, I don't know, like Sunset Boulevard or, or Casablanca, that's, you know, it's not, it's not comedy or a romp or anything. There, there's just something to the way that people are performing. There's something to the way that the camera is moving and the energy of the actors. Like, there's just this like, let's put on a show kind of thing, you know? And, and I really like, I just like watching things where, I like experiencing uh, art where people seem to give a shit. You know, it's like, like, it's not blase. It's like, eh, whatever, I don't care. It's like, no, 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 like, we're, we're trying. Like, like, yeah. we're trying to put on a show for you. That's why Singing in the Rain is one of my favorite movies and a big uh, touchstone for this project. Or it's like, it's like, it, it, it's all about just like, we, we care and we want you to be entertained. We want to give you something to escape from your, from your life or enhance your life or things like that. So that's what we try to imbue and, and into every, every panel of every page if we can. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. So one of my favorite things about Cowboy, which I mentioned, is you go all in on the Western dialogue. Like you you yeah. give 110% commitment throughout, which is a blast. 
uh, what kind of resources, sources are you pulling from to try to get like the, the Golden Age Hollywood stuff right with Alter Ego? Like, do you do a deep dive? And like, how do you kind of perfect that that dialogue? Yeah, well, so with with Alter Ego, it, it's just burning out the uh, the TCM app and the Criterion subscription. You know, it's just like, I, even if I were not making this, like before I was making this, like just old movies, classic movies are just in constant rotation for that thing. Even if I'm short, like this week, I'm I'm uh, just I'm, I love Pachinko that I just started watching recently. If if nobody, if you or nobody's watched Pachinko yet on Apple TV, I cannot. I, I cannot uh, recommend it enough, but like every time I come down to, to turn on my projector each night before I get started on watching whatever it is in my watch, I will go to the TCM app or Criterion and see what's new. And so, and they'll, they'll be like 15, 20 movies. And he, invariably I will either like change, cancel my plans and watch whatever it is that I'm intrigued by, or at least watch a couple clips from a movie I've never even heard of, mm. you know, like there's, there's just something. And, and I just like, just being able to watch that for a couple of minutes to get the vibe and the cadence of all that kind of stuff. There's such a rhythm to the dialogue in so many of those kinds of movies where I, I, you know, I, I don't know. People have often told me that I kind of talk like that in a, in a weird way sometimes, which I, I catch myself <laughs> doing, I guess. And I use weird old words that I don't necessarily, that aren't necessarily heard in this day and age, but, mm -hmm. but yeah, like basically I am trying to bring that kind of vibe to to this kind of dialogue and i'm also trying to modulate it you know it's like because there is that daytime nighttime contrast with yeah. the one guy with the regular guy in the middle where it's you know it's like you want he's acting right so it's like he's going to be like a big flash gordon serial kind of guy during the day and he's gonna be like a more noir tinged kind of guy at night mm -hmm. so yeah i'm and then everything everybody surrounding him is going to be have different kinds of different kinds of tonalities and different kinds of things that they want and, and places that they come from. So I care. I, yeah, I, I really, really care about, uh, about getting that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, no, it sounds like it's pretty ingrained in just the, the media you consume and the stuff you love. Um, is this, I heard you say in another uh, podcast I listened to you on, um, that, uh, the, the workaholic nature of, or the interpretation that this character where he just like doesn't turn off, right. He's just always doing the thing that that, you know, you connect with that from like your early days at Marvel, like editing all day, going home, writing at night, that sort of thing. Is this the most personal project you think you've done? Uh, well, you know, I don't write a lot of comics, uh, you know, so so the answer to that is basically that, like, when I was writing Cowboy, it was the most personal thing I've ever written. Uh, mm -hmm. and, but then when I started writing Alter Ego, it's the most personal thing I've ever written. And then when I get, when I write the next thing, it'll be the most personal thing. I've ever yeah, written. Yeah, I, sure. I, I tend to take my writing pretty personally, which is probably why I don't, wouldn't be great at being just left like a full-time writer. Mm -hmm. Um, because like I, I do kind of, um, it's hard. It's very hard. Like, like being an editor all day and then, you know, trying to put your money where your mouth is and like actually put some stuff down is, is pretty intimidating for just for myself, just to get my shitty first draft out. But I, you know, I, the, the, the key to unlocking a story to me is just for me to try to understand who the person is, try to understand who the character, at least the main character, and then how they, you know, how that bounces off all of the antagonists and, and supporting characters. So that, yeah, that, that aspect really, I really related to that aspect. And as you said before, like I said, on a, a different podcast, like, I would go at, at early in the morning to Marvel and work all day till like seven, eight, nine or later into the, into the evening, go for a run, get some food and, and then start to work on, on scripts for, for TV. I, I worked on the electric company uh, reboot for a, a little while and, and some other things, but yeah, I was burning the candle at both ends. So I know firsthand that that is sustainable for, for a minute, and then and then things start to blend in whether it's just you don't manage your time you don't get enough sleep you have to have a life outside of just creating so that that's kind of like the personal stuff that i brought to this kind of thing you'll see in the story that when we begin like it actually looks like it kind of works this idea that he's just like he's doing this one thing all day and that he's you know feeding his dogs and going out and doing it at night but that only lasts for so long. It's it's gonna it's gonna get real bad real fast. Sure, sure. No, I can definitely understand that. Um, you talked about the the intimidation 
of you know you're editing all day and you're you're working and telling these great stories and then you're now it's your turn right to go and put it on the page do you work with an editor when you work on these kickstarter projects or do you you know trust your own instincts to to edit along the way as well it's both i i don't have a full-on editor but i will you know i I'm lucky to have kind of like a, you know, a digital Rolodex of some pretty great writers. So I'll go and, you know, I'll, I'll throw some stuff at them and see, you know, Hey, I'd like to hear what other writers have to say. They give more unvarnished opinions than some editors will mm. give. In my opinion, it, it's not that they're more truthful. It's just that it's the sheen is, is off of it. It's like, this sucks. This doesn't work. I don't like mm -hmm. this. that. An editor usually doesn't usually doesn't say that. I never say that sucks. Can you please mm -hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I usually will trust my, my friends and collaborators and, you know, like Jacob is really my, my biggest sounding board for alter ego because he's a great writer in and of himself. He's a great storyteller. And so I, I feel a certain, um, obligation and responsibility to be able to write something to his, to his storytelling standard. And so if I write to him and I, and I give him this, I'd say, like, you need to tell me if something's not working. Like, this this is not a yes man thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and and he will, like, he'll push back on, on some stuff. And it's like, yeah, I, I agree. I think that works. I think you're right. Um, and, and then, like, he'll, you know, in the same way that he'll come back with layouts and I'll push him towards something. And sometimes he's, he agrees and sometimes he doesn't. But, like, you know, it's – I when, when you're dealing with a creator-owned thing as opposed to a license kind of thing, I – I really want it to feel personal and I really want to, I want to listen to notes, but I want to not answer notes or address notes from outside sources to the point where it would become something that I, that no longer feels like mine. Um, again, possibly to my detriment and probably the reason why I wouldn't be a great full-time writer, but that's just kind of, that's my process for writing and creating. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm curious, like, so you're, as we record this, the Kickstarter is, we got a little bit of time here. I think by the time this comes out, it'll be, you know, the, the final stretches of the Kickstarter project. Right now, it's super mm -hmm. close to your goal, right? You're at like 18.5, mm -hmm. you're trying to get to 20K, you're real close. Um, a lot mm -hmm. of nice support early, which is awesome. Yeah. How much, uh, how much do you like work on the book beforehand, during, and, or do you just kind of like, okay, we got the premise, we got this collaboration you've done with Jacob in terms of the bones and the meat and all that, like, but like how much of the actual production of the comic happens until the thing is funded. And then like, then it's like, okay, we have to do this. <laughs> it's real. Yeah, yeah. 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 So this is my fifth Kickstarter. Uh, my second that I've, I've co-created um, and, or, or been the writer of, and uh, it, it's different each time. It's a custom project each time mm -hmm. um, with dragon by Saladin and Dave Acosta. Like we had, I think, over 30 pages written and drawn. Um, Ed Brisson and Lysandro Theron's Catch and Release was, I think it was over two thirds drawn before mm -hmm. before we released it. Um, but then there's things like, you know, Jeff Parker and Drew Moss's Blighter, The Effervescent Adventures of Fight Bunny with Jennifer Meyer and myself, and now this, where it's like, there's, the story is there, uh, the deals are in place, like, you know, every, everybody's financials are in order because you don't want to throw something up and start making money without knowing how the money works. Sure. Um, but, um, you know, like it, it's in production, it, it's pretty deep into production. So like, like, you know, like the, like the, the project is pregnant in a way. So we're like, we're, we're, we're just like l announcing to everybody that we're pregnant, uh, a little bit early <laughs> right. and then, and then, uh, and then using, yeah. And then sort of as a way, like using it as, as motivation, it's like, oh, we kind of got to get our shit going if we're actually going to do this. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so for alter ego specifically, it was really important to me and Jacob to, to have that first chapter done. You know, we were not sure if it was going to be single issues or, or, or like a graphic novel and it may end up being both. I don't know. But we wanted to do, we wanted to have like the, the proof of concept, the first chapter, the, the, um, the pilot essentially all the way figured out so that we knew, we knew that this was actually going to work, that we were actually going to be able to see this kind of thing through. So yeah, we've got the full first chapter done, fully colored by Kike and, and Russ is finalizing the lettering now. So, and, and it's good, you know, it's like, I, I would, um, for me, I, I really need to see part of the world before I can take the whole thing all the way to, to finishing it. Like, because I'm, again, I'm not being a full-time professional writer. Like if I'm on page 17 of 100, 
I, I start to feel a little bit lost unless I have some idea of of the parameters and what I, you know what this is going to look like and what how Jacob is going to approach this and that kind of thing. So that sure. was just really important to to be able to see. Do you view this as you know, it's obviously you want to do the 100 pages and the graphic novel and have it be great. Do you view it as a potential launching pad for more stories in this universe? Or is that like so far in the future, you're not even really thinking about it? It's in the future. I mean, I've been asked a few times. I um, I, I see it as 100. You know, it's like it, it's 100 pages. I got this one story and I know I like I know the last page and I know what that looks like. Um, but. It, it, it's just not meant as an ongoing kind of thing. But yeah. if it were to do well and people were to to want more and it and it worked out, like I I would look I, I would be willing to look at a blank piece of paper and just try to figure out like okay what would the next one be. But for yeah. this, it was really important and and for all these creator owned things that I do is like I just want to throw every single idea I've got into it um, and 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 then you know we'll we'll pick up the pieces uh, for a sequel if that works out. But yeah, yeah. So maybe, but but this 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 one is a particular story. Cool, cool. No, I think that's like mm-hmm. like that energy of just like I just want to tell all the good stories that I have right yeah. now, as opposed to that sort of like, well, I need to hold that back because we're going to get to it. Like that can that can be a detriment, I think, with new stuff a lot of times, you know. Um, yeah. So so none of that here. That's, no, no. We're like yeah. like we're actually like, and I you know I'm I'm pretty as I'm become having like an awakening or whatever like to the superhero stuff like. I'm trying to be pretty cognizant of the tropes, you know, it's like, sure. oh, the dead mean dead and, and all of those kinds of things. And it's like, no, if somebody dies in this, they're actually going to stay dead. There's not going to be like a, like that kind of thing. We're not going to be doing any multiverse kind of stuff where, you know, like we're like, this is actually going to be, this is, this is the story that we're telling. And it's, these are kind of like, we're treating them kind of like real people and kind of, you know, just regular real people that are fighting sci-fi robots and bank robbers dressed as football players, you know. <laughs> right. Which is awesome. Yeah. That's Grounded awesome. realism is what we're going for. <laughs> sure. Why not? So, for like, so you're talking about that. I mean, for superhero fans, right? There's this innate understanding of certain tropes and certain ways things play. Certainly, one of these that Alter Ego is tapping into is the daytime, nighttime Superman, Batman thing, right? Or your Captain America, Daredevil, right? Or, or whatever it is. You have one man here trying to do both and, and intriguingly being an actor, like, invested in a performance of both, right? So, it's because you'd say like, well, how is their personality so different in day and night? It's like, well, it's, if you treat it as a performance, maybe you sell that. Um, do you have a preference in that mix of the sort of daytime superheroes versus nighttime gritty noir, or does it all just have a piece for you? It's, you know, like if you ask me what my favorite superhero is, I will invariably say golden age Superman. You know, okay. it's like that guy, like like pre-flight, like he can he can bound and go a little bit faster than a train, a locomotive and, you know, it's hard for a needle to pierce his skin, that kind of thing. Like there's something about, there's just something about the guy, the broad chested back straight smiling. I'm going to go fight crime kind of thing that really appeals to me. But, but in the same way that like, it's not the same to me, but like the yin and the yang of that, like it's also incredibly appealing the idea of somebody deciding like, I can't do this during the day or I can't be myself. I can't do it myself. Like I've got to become like a creature Mm. of the night and skulk in the shadows and attack and get down on the criminals level. So it's that, that's, that's why I never like, I mean, you're not required to pick, but like, that's not why I never really want to pick because I see the appeal and that, and then that informs the character Ace Adams, like motivations, like, he sees the appeal. He sees the validity of both of these kinds of things. Like they're both, they're both pretty valid. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I kind of like, I like both and I don't, and, and I don't think, I think either can be taken to extremes, you know, it's like either, either can be taken too far. You can get way too bright and light and lose perspective on, on actually helping people. You can get way too dark and down and, and, and just be morose and, and sorry for yourself. So it's like, like trying to keep that characterization, trying to keep the the thing level is, is so much a part of the story that I'm, that we're trying to explore. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like a lot of times when there's these modern superhero stories, right. And you're trying to find new angles, you're trying to find new ground and, and ways to tell a story that, that hits with people that there's, you can kind of go one of two ways. You can either, um, play the reference and just be like, yeah, we're doing that, right? Like this is a Superman pastiche. We're, we're playing with the Superman tropes, but we're going to invert it or something. Right. Um, or you can try and go the other way, which is like, 
like yeah you're the first thing you're gonna think of superman but as you read this you're gonna realize like oh no it's like it's more flash gordon or it's more tom strong or whatever right is that something you think about like how important is it to you to differentiate differentiate these heroes versus like play with the tropes play with it as pastiche of a well-known thing i yeah i i think for me it's it's about like just remembering the guy behind the costumes plural like one of the one of the the practices i'm trying to keep in in the book so far is there's the action that he's doing but then there's also his thought process like we're like we're basically like the actor's method that we're like listening we're like seeing what he's thinking as he's doing this kinds of thing so like mm-hmm. we're in his we're sort of in his head as we're seeing him take approach these genre type of scenarios like oh he's in a back alley having to fight a you know some a gang or he's fighting a robot and he's trying to come up with his you know his quippy one-liner before he stabs the guy in the chest i i delight in being able to think of my um the the things that came before you know like the motivate the 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 homage to to the different kinds of characters but like i I don't know. Like there, there's, there's no co- Like I, I don't feel any need to like try to copy some, some other story. I don't feel the need to like, like. I also don't feel the need to like veer away too far away. Like I'm not. Um, it's not ironic. Like my love of superheroes. Like I love. Yeah. Uh, Batman and Superman and Robin and Green Lantern and Flash. Like I really like. I'm not a. I'm not ashamed of loving superheroes that actually want to help people. Right. And and ultimately like the root, the truth of this character is that he just wants to help, you know? And all this other stuff is window dressing. All this other stuff is static. At the end of the day, he knows that he can't help every single person in the world, but he can try and there's value in the trying. And so what you're seeing is like him, him dealing and utilizing all of this, all this genre stuff and all this acting stuff and intimidation and, um, warmth and and you know like making people like you or making people fear you he's using all those things with the you know with the innate need to help and the desire to like save people yeah yeah no that makes a lot of sense so this is another complication in the mix with the story um for something or a challenge i think for you and the creative team like you're writing a black man as the superhero in golden age hollywood america right yeah what steps do you take when you're doing a story like that and make that decision to ensure racial sensitivity and, you know, avoiding things that can harm, right? Like, like, how do you approach that piece of it? Very, 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 very carefully. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> I, again, I, I try to approach it with some empathy and I, I, I try to like, you know, like full on acknowledge that like I, as a, a white man of privilege, like I, I will never understand the, the black experience and I would never presume to, to say that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's like, I, it'd be the, it'd be the easiest thing in the world for me to just say like, okay, so we're going to basically set this in 1940s Hollywood. And it's going to be about a white character who, who battles crime because like, he's a stuntman in Hollywood and Hollywood, had, you know, pretty much the only stuntman at the time or the ones you know of are, are white guys and they're making movie, white guys are making movies and they're starring white guys and they're mm-hmm. making white audiences. And like, that's, that would be very easy to do. But like, I, I kind of wanted something a little more interesting. I kind of wanted to do something that that felt more embracing of culture, ethnicity, identity. And and I, you know, I, I guess maybe I was I was watching stuff like Bridgerton and the recent series Hollywood mm. on, um, on on Netflix. And like the those were two stories that like they started with with a part of you know, like something that actually happened in history, but then they, they diverge pretty quickly. And so they, they didn't just like, um, whatever you can call it progressive, you can call it whatever you, but like, to me, it's like, I just saw the value and fun in having this giant melting pot of like all these different kinds of people coming from everywhere to make movies. And like very quickly, Jacob and I kind of talked about this of like, okay, so like, instead of like regular 1940s, what if we kind of looked at this like Disney World? 
what if Hollywood was Disney World and you had all these different lands, you know, like you had noir land and Western land and music land, but then you brought in people from all over the world to make different kinds of movies about different cultures, like a Japanese studio and an entire Bollywood section, Nigerian films and things like that. And, and all of a sudden you've got this humongous, uh, multicultural, multi-ethnic playground to where, where, you know, like, you can you can kind of do anything and you can kind of play with any genre and have any any kind of person and and that was just so much more interesting and and creative to us so you know that's 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 just kind of the direction that we're going um you know one of the biggest one of the biggest things that that I try to remember is to not be to not try to create like a colorblind fantasy where nobody's talking or thinking about the race, because that would be an easy thing to say like, oh yeah, like, like oh no, everybody's, nobody's different. You know, it's like, everybody's just like the different races, but we don't talk about it. It's like, it should be talked about, you know? It's like, you don't want to ignore racial or cultural identity. You, you want it to be there. You want it to be present because it is so, so much part of people's identities. At the same time, you've got to balance that with the fact that we're telling, we're trying to tell like a fun superhero story, you right. know? So this is an incredibly long-winded way of saying, I have no idea if I'm the kind of person that should be telling this kind of story, but it sure does seem worth trying to tell it because I, you know, it just seems, it seems more fun. It seems more textured. It seems more interesting to me. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that's a good answer. Um, There's a moment as you're talking about, you know, the, how strange it would be to do this, to make the decision to have him be a black man right in America and not ever talk about it. And I think you're right that that would be, weirder in many ways um there's a moment in cowboy that i i thought of as you were mentioning that where the boy you know encounters a black man like hiding in the stables right and it's just it's this moment of like cultural awareness of of historical you know things we like to pretend didn't happen because they're ugly and and you know not fun to talk about obviously but real and and need to be talked about because of that um and it's effective and it's not it's not the whole story and it's still a very fun book right but it's it's a small piece um, so as you're mentioning that, I can see how how that can fit. And again, like what is a tight 100-page graphic novel, but it's like not necessarily, that's not the story, but it's a part of the story. And that adds, like you said, texture. And, um, and we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, look, I grew up in, in Mississippi, you know, where race and culture and ethnicity and prejudice and all of those things are present all of the time in when you're doing things fun and when you're doing things that are not fun, like that, that's present. It's ever present. And some people, I I know some people in my life that like choose to ignore that and not, and not recognize it. But like, for me, it's like, I I always grew up kind of realizing that like something's not quite right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's like, there's something's like, why, why, why are there certain parts of town that I'm, that we're not supposed to go to? And like, where, where the, you know, and like, why is it like, I'm in a private school and why is everybody white? And it's, when you're a kid, you don't necessarily know, but then you, you start to grow up and you start to realize, and then I, in my case, I moved away and like, it, it means something, you know, like it, it, it means something to be able to look at it, to be able to like, rec- as I said, like recognize my privilege, recognize that I, um, I, I, I just need to not turn a blind eye to things just because I could, or I should, like, it's, it's, you got to recognize these, these, these things. So again, I, I, I'm going to say it wrong. I'm going to tell it wrong. I'm going to do it wrong, but that doesn't mean it's worth, that doesn't mean I should ignore it. That doesn't mean I shouldn't try to try to confront and interact with this kind of stuff. Sure. Sure. Okay. Um, so switching gears, um, alter ego, I think, you know, we're, again, we're going to have a link in the show notes for the Kickstarter. Everybody should check this out again. Like you're super close to the goal. So I imagine we'll be getting there soon. Um, but we'll, we'll try so. to help, uh, help with the push here. Uh, when you were an editor at Marvel, you worked on some mm-hmm. some great projects, Thor the Mighty Avenger, uh, Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, Wonderful Wizard of Oz, some very enjoyable books that are some of my faves, but they're also pretty different from Marvel's standard superhero fare. Um, for readers that don't know, like the Thor the Mighty Avenger, people might be like, how's that different? Um, it's like a very like genuinely all ages kind of book, right? I think you got writer, is that Roger Landridge doing that? Roger Langridge, yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, how did you sell in projects like that? Um, or, or, or sort of what was the a part of kind of getting like all ages stuff outside of what Marvel's comfort zone was, because that's definitely something that I think not only Marvel, but the big two, and and frankly, a lot of comics in general struggle with, even as there's this clear boom, right, right now, and a growing awareness that like, 
all ages, young adult books are like, that's where the comic sales are at, you know? Um, so what was that like for you? Like, what, yeah. what, how did you sell that in? You know, it was a, it was a balance because like on, on one side, it was a constantly frustrating thing to basically just like, you know, like in the larger scheme, when you've got your event books, your top selling books, you, you know, your things by your, your high level creators, um, those are given the focus as far as editorial summits and resources and, and things like that. And so like feeling a certain frustration that like your books are not getting, you know, focused on or, or, or uh, recognized at the same time on a personal level, I loved it. I could, I could, I loved it because it's like, it kind of seemed like, I, I don't want to be as dramatic as saying like the head people in charge didn't care, but they didn't, they certainly didn't care as much. You know, like when I worked on World War Hulk, I got way more notes and had to deal with way more offices and higher up people than when I was working on Marvel Adventures Spider-Man. Sure. You know, it's yeah. like, they, generally speaking, there are like, there's a certain, uh, these certain rules that you got to follow with the all ages stuff. But as long as you follow them, you can do whatever it is you want. So when I, when I realized that, and I love all ages stuff, like that is just my bread and butter. Like I live to make things for ages seven to 70. So, so that idea of like, it, 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 I, I kind of had like the one for me, one for them mentality a lot of times, like, okay, mm. yes, I, I will work on Jeff Loeb and, and McGinnis's Hulk, which is fun. Like that's good. But I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that so that I can develop Thor: The Mighty Avenger, or that I can put Paul Tobin and Jeff Parker on the Marvel Adventures books, yeah. Um, or that I can work, you know, um, with with Eric Schenauer on on Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Like though, like the Marvel Illustrated, the Marvel Adventures, all of those all ages things are just they're just so much fun, and they reach such a such a big audience. Like the single issues never sold well. But the trades always sold incredible. You know, there were the digest size, but they also got repurposed into larger blown up magazines that would go into supermarkets. So they would invariably be in the top 10 selling trade graphic novels always, but they would just never really be recognized. Like, ah, it's for kids stuff. And I think that that's, you know, for better or worse, I, I get it. Like, it's kind of a reflection of the comic industry as a whole. Like, retailers are going to order things that sell well. And so you order, you know, you, you order the things that have the good track record and the, the things that are kind of seen as a little bit more adult than the all ages stuff. And that's great. I, those things have great value and, and there's some really good stuff being produced. But for me, I don't know, it's corny and whatever, but like, I just love the idea of, of making comics with the idea that this is somebody's first comic. Mm -hmm. Some kid is, is picking this up for the first time. It doesn't matter if it's the first issue or the 15th. That like it is, it's my responsibility. It's like it's it's part of why I'm doing this. It's like I want like whatever, like eight year old me, twelve year old me, fourteen year old me, to have a uh, you know to have a shot at understanding what's going on and to enjoy the stories that I'm seeing. Right. Not having to deal with with you know years and years of continuity and getting bogged down in little references and stuff like that. So. So the answer is like so many things, it's like, it was really, it was constantly frustrating and always a sheer delight. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. No, that definitely checks out. Uh, I could see that for mm. sure. No, it's funny. Cause like if, you know, when my, when my oldest is, is getting more into like, well, when he learns to read, first of all, um, <laughs> like I'm not going to hand him world war Hulk number one, even though I, I enjoy the heck out of that event. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Greg Hawk Hulk is, is a great time. Uh, but Thor the Mighty Avenger, like, yeah, like now, now we're, you know, like that's the type of comic where, and then, and I can read that as, as a dad in my thirties and be like, this is the good stuff, <laughs> you know, like we can both have that experience together, which is a blast. I always think it's like one of the hardest things to do, you know? It, it is like, it, it is so much more challenging because it is, you know, like you, you can just make it an adult thing. You know, you can just straight up like make a PG 13 kind of thing. That's easy. Mm -hmm. Cuss occasionally have some violence, that kind of stuff. But it's like, you know, this is the constant magic trick of things like Batman, the animated series or the Incredibles, where it's yeah. like, this is working, like whatever, like this is working for me. And this is working for somebody 10 years younger than me and 10 years older than me. And then the spectrum is getting wider and wider. It's working on these levels. And there's these things here, like there's allusions to violence. There's allusions to love and, and sex and things like that. But you're not blatantly showing them. You're figuring out ways to you know, like you're, you're getting around, basically you're getting around standards and practices in a way, yeah. but it, it forces you to be more creative 
And I think like, especially for people that like really like storytelling and really like that kind of stuff, like there's an appreciation for, for figuring that out, you know, like mm -hmm. for, in, in an elegant kind of way, which takes you back to like old movies again. Like you were dealing with the code of the time in the thirties, forties, and fifties, a movie like Casablanca, if left to their own devices, the storytellers would have, you know, they would have had sex scenes. They would have had people getting murdered constantly. It's, you know, it's, it's set in a time where it was extremely violent, but like, you had these allusions, you had these turns of phrase, you had these mentionings of, of plot points and things, but you couldn't do certain things. So you had to get around it, which makes it more lyrical, which makes it more interesting and textured, mm. yeah. which I like. I, I think it's worth trying to figure out. It's less simple. It's more work, but it's good work. Yeah, for sure. So audience wise, like I said, and clarify this up front, is alter ego, like, would you consider it all ages or are you going more for a specific demographic? I would, I in the same way that I would consider uh, cowboy all ages, you know, it's like, it's, it's certainly got, you know, like Jacob, Jacob's art and Kike's uh, color is certainly going for that big, bright, open kind of style, you know, like a Darwin Cook kind of thing or, a, um, uh, but, but we are, you know, in the same way that someone like Darwin, who was, who was one of our massive influences on this, like, you look at something like DC New Frontier, and that art is beautiful and it looks like it could easily be a Saturday morning cartoon, but they're dealing, he's dealing with some weighty issues. He brought, yeah. he brought the thunder with that kind of stuff. And I love that contrast. I love that idea of taking serious stuff and contrasting it with open appealing styles to, you know, to, to kids and to adults kind of stuff. So you are going to have, you know, like we're going to have scenes where there are people at bars drinking. There are going to, you know, there's going to be some smoking because I don't know, whatever to me, it's like, you just, you just can't have something in the 1940s and not have smoking. Like it's just a bridge. Yeah. It's yeah. just a bridge too far. Like I will, I will bring sci-fi robots in, but I will not take away the sci-fi. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, like we're this, this to me, like this, I would feel perfectly responsible giving this to a seven-year-old. You know, and I would be, and I would be very confident handing it to a, you know, a 37 year old. It's like, yeah, Here, check this out. I think this will be fun. Yeah, cool. No, I, I do love that style of storytelling. And yeah, I mean, it's so difficult to, to, you know, thread that needle, but, uh, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully it pulls off here. Um, mm -hmm. it, speaking of, you know, just kind of the boom of books in this market, right. Of the all ages, but also just like young readers, right. And just comics mm -hmm. being like, Hey, there's, you know, there's, there's industry types, right. Or, or on the retailer level where it's like, okay, we have our single issue superheroes and that works and these events, but then you kind of look at the big picture and it's like, well, that's a real small sliver of the pie when you look at like the actual comic sales of, of you know, Raina Tuggemeyer and, and Dave Pilkey and these types of creators. Given that, have you thought about doing like more cowboy or more like like a series or something where it's like, um, you know, that that is the demographic, but it's kind of like more of a thing or is that just not how you work as a creator? Like you just like the hopping, you know, you like skipping around. It's yeah, I mean, it, it's creatively first, like, again, I know it's corny, but like the since I work so much on editing and producing stuff, it's like writing, writing is just kind of like, this is I'm just I need I need the passion, I need the drive, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, for something like cowboy, like the there was there was the idea that there, there was a, a journey, you know, like, like specifically cowboy was about a tent for people that don't know it's it's about a 10 year old who uh, who becomes a bounty hunter to round up his entire outlaw family. And so the idea was that like, we're gonna watch that. We're gonna watch him round up his entire extended family. I've got a whole family tree built out. It's like and ultimately spoiler, mom is last, you know, he's going after mom. Um, so so that idea of being able to see that that story true through is is really appealing to me, you know, and, and if, you know, Chris is Chris, uh, very fortunately for him, unfortunately for cowboy fans, like is, is doing incredible work on other projects. Uh, so, so it's hard to figure out when he would, would have the time, but we have the rights back and we're going to try to figure, maybe hopefully figure out, um, what we can do with that. But to the larger question of like longer storytelling and trying to figure out how to get a, you know, like build the audience and that kind of thing. I'd like to do that, but, but as I said, it's hard for me to write that much like, because I do, because again, it's like to my detriment, I, it is, I take it so personally and I, you know, I really fret over, over every single line. And so 
trying to like trying to start from the idea of okay seven volumes here's the first volume here's the second it's like that is so that is so outside of my comfort zone but i'm not saying i can never do that but it is it's just a very different way of thinking about that kind of thing um and i see that you know i i honestly like i think i, I think i see value in in both kinds of things where it's like the retailer level like you know, you're serving an audience that really wants a certain kind of thing. And if you tried to package every book as though it were going to go into Barnes and Noble, that then those single, you'd, you'd lose what people love about the, the monthlies, the floppies. Whereas if you, if you took every single person that loved, you know, Smile by Reina or something like that and tried to put it into single issues and take it to the comic shop, you wouldn't be finding the people that, you know, they wouldn't like that. They want to, some people want to be able, or, or her babysitter's club stuff, you know, those adaptations, like you wouldn't necessarily want to buy that in single issue form. Um, so I, I think, I think again, there's a balance of like catering to the different kinds of audiences and not diminishing. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't see the need to pick and like diminish the other for the purposes of like, Oh no, it should only be this, or it should only be that. It's like, I yeah. think we can all coexist. Like it's a pretty good ecosystem that we got going. Yeah, no, I would agree. Like that's for all of the, you know, talking about how successful it is. Like I go every Wednesday for my floppies, you know, like I, I love the experience and I love having them. Um, but it, it's definitely been eye opening for me to see, like, it's funny. It's, it's like anything, right. You can get so trapped in your bubble and your experience that it's like, well, I don't ever go to Barnes and Noble. So I don't realize <laughs> that dog man sells a gazillion copies or whatever. Right. Um, but then you start reading yeah. about it. It's like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. That's good. Like, it's good that that's yeah. out there, you know? Yeah. And you also like, I mean, you also look at things that do incredible in the, you know, in the, in the, in the non-comic focused book market, you know, like the walking dead repackages, the saga stuff, bone, like those things, like people are coming to that as though it is, they are completed volumes and they right. don't even have a knowledge that they're single issues. And that's fine. That's a perfectly valid way to, to pick it up. You know, it's like one of my favorite books ever is the, not just comics book is the life of times of the life and times of Scrooge McDuck yeah. by Don Rosa. And I only came to that as a collection. You know, it was only like, this is a graphic novel. Oh, and yeah. it was just, it, it was put out as sporadic single issues, but each one feels like a, a chapter more than an issue. So, right. Yeah. Right. No, it makes sense. Um, cool. So let's see what, uh, what else is next for you? Anything else? So we will, we want people to check out the Kickstarter for all three of you. We'll have the link. Um, anything else that you got in the pipeline? Yeah, well, I mean, as Alter Ego goes, we're going to be able to, like, hopefully we're going to be able to, like, send out fully finished pages and chapters and things uh, for people that, that want to pledge. Like, we'll, we'll give it out digitally as we're going so that you don't have to wait so long. In the meantime, I'm still working on my previous Kickstarters. There's, like, uh, you know, the Effervescent Adventures of Fight Bunny, which I, I never just call Fight Bunny just because I like it takes <laughs> longer. I just like to say the Effervescent Adventures of Fight Bunny. Still working on that with Jennifer. The pages are unbelievably gorgeous. And uh, working with, with uh, Jeff and Drew on Blighter. And then uh, gearing up for the next two Kickstarters. Um, I've already got the, the collaborators are in place and we're working. And it's uh, two more this year? It's, no, no, not this year. They, they come when they come. You know, it's like the, okay. I don't. I don't try too hard to schedule when we, when we have enough, when we have the track and when we're able to schedule, it's not just scheduling the Kickstarter. It's also being able to schedule. Okay. After it's funded, like what's the production look like? Because you don't one thing, one of the mortifying, mortifying ideas is like, you don't want to get it funded and then have no plan in place. Like, okay, yeah. now I guess we make it like, Oh, but the artist is committed to six months of something else. It's like, that that's not the way to, that's not the way to run it and, and, yeah. and to do it the right way. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, my next, the next one that I'm co-creating will probably be later, probably like the third quarter of this year, and then uh, and then we'll see about the next one. Cool, cool. No, I, I like hearing that there's a plan with the Kickstarter because it is. I've definitely had those where like I get the email and they're like, "Hey, your book's ready," and I'm like, "I ordered this three years ago and I completely forgot it existed." <laughs> like, you know, you, you don't want that experience necessarily because it's like all the all the enthusiasm dries up, you know. The full-time, yeah, the full-time editor in me just, like, I just start getting itchy when I think of, like, doing this <laughs> stuff without deadlines. Like, yeah, I'm not yeah. saying that we're absolutely going to, because there's so many factors in place, like, you know, like, oh, a pandemic or something. Or, or, you know, or, or like, life happens to people and they get, you know, like, injured or something like that. Or, or the, pub, the, the printer gets, you know, you get stuck in the queue and you're, you know, you, you get printed when it's time to print. So, you can't do it exactly like a, a, a big time publisher would do, but 
I think it's important, like, especially if you're trying to build an audience with, with creator owned and crowdfunding that like, you need to show your work, you need to show that you're doing stuff and that you're committed to getting this stuff done in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Anything you're reading right now that you'd recommend uh, comics or otherwise? Oh gosh, let's see. I'm reading a Mike Nichols biography. That's excellent. Um, I'm reading Mel Brooks's autobiography. Um, and then I'm reading a bunch of nerdy running, uh, books that nobody would, nobody would care about. <laughs> like, uh, like training <laughs> stuff? YouTube, you may or notice like... I have my rest day shirt on. I'm training for the Toronto marathon. Oh, so, nice. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So a lot of that during campaigns, it's hard for me to, and you know, full-time editing and running the campaign, it's hard to pick up comics at the moment. Um, yeah, but I am, I'm rereading, I'm reading my way through, um, Tom Strong again, which mm. That's been on my my reread pile for for quite some time. I, I want to yeah. dive back into that one one day for sure. Um, awesome. Well, Nate, this has been a blast. I really appreciate you coming on and talking and spending time here with us. Um, again, we'll link to Alter Ego in the show notes and all that fun stuff. Uh, anything else that you want people to make sure they check out? Uh, social profiles, anything like that that everybody should be aware of? Yeah, you can. Uh, you know, I, I hope you go to Kickstarter and just type in Alter Ego and and give us a pledge. We got a we got a few bigger tiers left of like uh, you know Jacob will draw uh, your he'll draw a character onto your book like we have a cameo appearance kind of thing where i'll give somebody like actually not just like it's not just drawing you like we'll give you lines you, can, mm. you get to be you get to pick if you want to be a superhero super villain or just a civilian um can i be a, a football out. a football bank robber is that an option of course of course you can. <laughs> of course i will okay. even put other members of your family in there in, in <laughs> costumes um yeah and then we've also got alternate covers you know it's like there's jacob's main cover but i was really lucky enough to get people like Declan Shalvey, Sosa Meka, Wilfredo Torres, Phil Hester and Klaus Janssen, nice. um, and Chris Eliopoulos did a cover for us as well. So you can pick which one you want. Um, otherwise, you can follow me on Twitter at Nate Cosby. And Jacob is, I think it's JCB Edgar. Just type in Jacob Edgar, you'll find it. Um, but yeah, we're, we're posting stuff. We got a sub stack that, that takes you kind of behind the scenes and stuff. And yeah, just grinding away. We're about, we're about halfway, a little over halfway through here. So very nice. Still very nice. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm Dave, of course. Everybody can find me at compacurl.com, at compacurl on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you like the show here, like the podcast, please like, subscribe on YouTube and all that fun stuff for more interviews like these. So thanks again for listening and enjoy the comics.